You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos Country. It is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I'm your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, doing pretty well. A little bit stressed trying to figure out our podcast recording methodology today. Um, We had been using Google Hangouts via YouTube for a long time, and uh, that went away. They're not doing that anymore. And we knew that was coming, but of course, waited to the last minute to figure it out. And the, the software that Chad told me to get was not for Mac. I have a Mac. It's an old Mac. It needs to be replaced, but... Uh, so that wasn't going to work. So we're recording via Skype as a recording function. So if there's anybody out there like, hey, what's up with their, their sound quality? It's got to be the Skype stuff. So I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes today. We do figure out. We did figure out a way to record it, and we'll get it. We'll get it to you guys. But uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll be running at 100% by the time the regular season rolls around. But other than that, doing pretty well. Um, I'm sitting in a bed with a cat that's on my lap and a dog that's at my back. And uh, we we're uh, dog-sitting Natalie's mom's dog this week while she's in Chicago. So if you hear any sounds, it's because I have become Pocahontas in the woods with uh, my <laughs> animal friends. So uh, other than that, I've been pretty good. I'm trying to think of uh, how her song goes. Can you hear the... The Colors of the Wind. Yeah. Can and, you uh, hear the... Can... Okay, I'm not even going to try. There's the uh, Just Around the River Bend. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. You have a daughter, yeah. man. It's about time to start... Those classics. I know, I know. I've been trying to get her on Lion King since the new one came out, uh, and we we get to the the stampede, and then she's like, "Yep, it's just too much." And I'm going, "Yeah, I I tried to jump the gun, <laughs> but uh, maybe one day, one day." That's one of my favorites, though. I mean, the stampede scares me too. So it's I true. Mean, like to this day, nah, not really. <laughs> I, I, the movie that freaked me out as a kid was Signs. I'll be completely honest. Like not like as young as your daughter is, but I was probably you know fifth grade or something when science came out and living in Iowa. I think the first time I saw it was in actually at my uncle's farm in Missouri. And man, that movie messed me up. It's really, there's so many plot holes. Like aliens would travel, you know, thousands of light years to get here. And then, oh crap, water kills us. Like that, that's not happening. <laughs> and it's two thirds of our planet. Yeah. And we can't figure out a door handle. Well, how does this work? <laughs> like you, you mastered time and space travel but you can't get a door handle and you didn't know the planet was covered in water. Like, I'm, I'm calling BS in hindsight, but at the time, that movie freaked me out. So, yeah. what about you? What movie freaked you out as a kid? Well, I I remember my grandma was one that she was just always naive. And so, my cousins and I would convince her to let us check out movies we never should have. Oh. And so, Chucky the Doll, man. Uh-huh. I had nightmares about that thing, and my grandma had a doll that looked exactly like Chucky. <laughs> so it was it was double. Like we 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 used it to scare my other cousin, my my youngest one. Mm-hmm. But I was so glad that I was not on the receiving end of that because I would have been wetting the bed. Uh, I'll be honest, <laughs> there it was so terrible. I hated those movies, and even still today, I see that little doll, and I'm like, oh my gosh, just get away from me, you stupid little. Yeah, I <laughs> it's terrible, but uh, that one. Like, kids' movie, I remember Willy Wonka. Oh, yeah. It always kind of was weird. I'm just like, what in the world? When they're going through the tunnel and it's like... Is a hurricane a-blowing? Like, yeah, that that was creepy. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think as a kid, the movie that made me the most emotional was I would watch Homeward Bound. Oh, man. And we had a Siamese cat, a fluffy kind of one that looked exactly like Sassy. And every time that damn cat went over the waterfall, and I watched that movie probably, you know, every other day. I was like <laughs> three or four years old. I would just bawl. Yeah. The cat, I don't know. I think it was my cat. I don't know. But the cat was going over the waterfall, and I knew it was going to live. I cried. I can't. I couldn't help it. Back to the doll, though. I know we need to get to football here, but yes, yes, we do. My senior do. year of college, we we moved into a house, and we went up into the attic. We technically weren't supposed to be in the attic. Get a lock on it. We busted off the lock. Like we're we're paying for the house. We're, we want to see what's up here. Don't do that at home, kids. Though don't uh, follow your lease. But anyway, we went up there, and I swear to God, there was a uh, an old doll with button eyes hanging by an extension cord in the attic, and uh, that was enough for me. So uh, I think there's a video or something on Facebook too. I don't know, I'll have to send that to you. But uh, okay, okay. Yeah, it's uh, not Thanks. maybe maybe I shouldn't. Might scare you a little bit. I know it's true. Anything <laughs> with dolls. I'm thinking like Annabelle as well. Those yeah. movies. All you know, of there's them. a new Chucky, right? Is there? Oh yes, there is. Yeah, I saw that. You know who voices him? Who? Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker. Really? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> yep. Hate that man now. Yeah. Right. Evil. <laughs> he did go to the dark side. So. Welcome back to uh, Kansas. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, I, I got the the Colorado sun. I am burned from head to toe. Thought I could handle it. Thought I was, I was tan enough, and I learned my lesson being up there Fair in the enough. mountains. Yeah. But uh, no, I had a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, I finished my race. Let's say it, it wasn't as fun as as one would maybe hope. And I'm like, just go without me. Just go. Leave me. She's like, I'm not abandoning you. And you know, like I said, she was really good. That's the only reason I finished that race because I was I was done. And uh, but no, it was fun. Got to go see the Broncos as well. I'll get to talk about that here and in, in some of our podcasts and some of the things that I got to see that kind of either secured things or at least left me with some questions. So I'm excited to talk about that. And of course, you can you can see some of the observations that I made. I have a lot more to talk about beyond that. But you can find me on Twitter. You can check and see what all I put on there. You can find me at Carl Dumbler MHH and of course Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. And you can follow the podcast Twitter account at BTV Football Pod. And make sure you subscribe to our show and leave us a rating as we value your input. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and even that of YouTube. And if you enjoy our show, make sure you head on over and leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. We're building the Broncos along with Huddle Up are found under the Huddle Up podcast. This podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Fantasy football fans, listen up. Do you want to join the biggest NFL season-long tournament ever? Of course you do. If you love fantasy football, we know you do, then you need to enter the $3.5 million Best Ball Championship on draft. That's right, $3.5 million in real money. It's freaking huge. Now, it's season long. Here's how draft works. It's season long, but with no micromanagement. You just set it and forget it. So what does that mean? No longer are you having to agonize over the matchups and who to start and all that, they take care of that for you. They're automatically going to start your most efficient lineup based on all the projections, based on all the momentum, so you don't have to worry about it. You set it, you forget it. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. You don't even have to set your lineup, as mentioned. Your best players automatically get started, and you'll get the best score each and every week, guaranteed. For a limited time only, you can get a free entry into the Best Ball Championship when you make your first deposit. But you have to use our promo code HUDDLE. 
That's right, a free shot at a million dollars just by using our promo code HUDDLE when you make your first deposit on Draft. Just search Draft in the App Store or go to Draft.com and come play free with promo code HUDDLE. Well, Nick, we are, what, one month away from the actual start of the season? We're we're technically with the first preseason game. I don't know, how do you... How do you call this, since we had the, the Hall of Fame game? Is this second preseason game, or is this first preseason game? I, on the Game Pass, it's just listed as Hall of Fame game, and then it's listed as Week 1. So, I don't know. It's, it's the second Broncos preseason game. Right. And we get extra football. So, you know, we don't know if the, the Broncos will make playoffs this year. So, any extra football we can get, I'm about it. Although, you know, pour one out. For uh, Vic Fangio, I'm oh, not pouring one out, you know, maybe drink some mercury. I don't know, whatever, something tough, right? Because, <laughs> man, going through with a kidney stone, I've never had one, but my God, I've, I've known people who have, and they are, they, I, I, I don't wish that on my enemies, you know, yeah. like that kind of thing. So the fact that he did that, I would have been, you know, fly me back or, you know, put in a drip or, gosh, give me something to Loopy, I'm not going to be at that damn game. I'm not going through this, but I'm a baby. So, uh, yeah, no, that's a uh, man. So I think that's my biggest takeaway. Vic Fangio is uh, <laughs> as tough as advertised. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at uh, a training camp today, I, I think it was Draymond Jones. He just took that man and just drove him straight backwards when there was a fight that broke out because he, he's not much for fights. He doesn't like it one bit. And, and so it's just kind of funny watching this old man just take on a – uh, what, 22-year-old, 21-year-old? I'm not sure what Draymond Jones is. And and just drive the man back. I mean, and like you said, to, to go through that game with a kidney stone, props to him. I'm glad he's our coach. I wouldn't want to face him. Because, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, this guy is tough as nails. Glad to see him on the sideline. We'll talk about that a little bit more, what we observations we made of him as a head coach, since that is kind of his, I mean, it's obviously his new head, his title. But they kind of brought him in to mostly be defensive coordinator plus head coach. And just some of the decisions he made, we'll, we'll grade those a little bit here. But uh, let's take a second here and let's just let's just look back at this past game just real quick, make some observations. I know Chad and, and Zach have, have talked about the game quite a bit, but obviously our listeners haven't got a chance to hear what we had to say. And so let's just start with what, what did you like about the game? What did you see? That, that just really had you excited with, with this past game? Well, for me, it had to be, I guess, you know, the starters didn't really play. Pretty much no starters play. I think we had Gatsas on defense, and then we had the starting left side of the offensive line as well as Fant and Hireman. But I think i got to start with those starters on the offensive side of the ball. McGovern had no bad snaps, which has been plaguing him through camp. So that's that's a positive. I'll take it. And I really like what I saw from that trio. Bulls, there was one play where he looked a little bit late to react to the edge pressure, and he got his shoulders perpendicular with the line of scrimmage, which is not what you want. And I still see him leaning a little bit. His punch isn't the best. But he's, he, I mean, for what he is, he's a really smooth mover. And when he can get behind guys and win that leverage battle, he can drive them back. So I thought, and Reisner, first game, I mean, good job. So those three really impressed me. And then also, the blocking of Hireman and Fant was better than advertised. You know, I've seen Fant, and I definitely knew that he improved during his time at Iowa, but he was getting after it, and he, that holding call, I mean, it, it's, it happened, it's going to happen, especially the cutback, that kind of stuff. He was in position, and then you saw the cutback happen, so not great, but, I mean, the touchdown block, both 
Hireman and Fant were just absolutely getting after it and really helped clear open that space, as well as Don Barclay, but he didn't. after that he kind of fell off. So I was really impressed with those blockers. And I even want to throw out uh, Jawan Winfrey as well. He was really getting after it as a blocker. So that makes me excited for the possibility of not only, you know, you see big play, plays in the pass game, whether it be the screen game, but the opportunity for big plays in the run game from Freeman, uh, Riddick in the short pass game mostly, and Lindsey. So if you have those guys, especially the exterior blockers, the tight ends, and the wide receivers getting in after it like that, that's that's a chance for some big plays. So that was probably something I was very excited about. Granted, you're not going against the Falcons' best of the best, <laughs> but still, it, it's after the struggles and going up against Von Miller and Bradley Chubb, to see them go out there and look like they should against guys that are second and third stringers is a step in the right direction and makes me feel ever so slightly better about the outlook of this team this season. You know, it's a long way to go, thank God, for that extra preseason game. But those three, I mean, not only they look good, but I bet you they're feeling a little bit more confident after that as well. Yeah, I'm completely with you. I was very, very impressed with what they brought to the table. They they looked like they should be. I mean, that's the, the main thing is if they went out there and struggled against backups, Out there, they did what they were supposed to do. Like you said, Noah Fan. I love that the the broadcast crew actually commented. They said, "Hey, I know people have been on him about his blocking, but actually, he really improved while he was there, and and it did. It showed really in the run game. I love that he got after it, and uh, should should definitely be a very big strength for this team, especially after what I saw at camp. That that zone stretch play, man, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, they, they I just have guys that can get to the edge, that can make plays. And and they got the running backs to actually take advantage of it too. Yeah, no, I I really agree. I was just really impressed with both those tight ends. And obviously, I'd rather than be dynamic receivers, that's more value. But the fact that Fant and Hireman were out there, really just owning their matchups, the one on ones, not like helping with a double team, but owning one on ones was right. big to me. And I think that really is going to force teams to account for them in the run game pull in linebackers, pull in safeties, and make that play-action game that much more effective if those two can continue that strong blocking. So like you said, the outside zone stretch, I think, with those tight ends blocking like they showed, has me excited. Obviously, you don't want to take away too much from a Hall of Fame game, but still, like they, they're out there doing business and doing work. So I was excited about that. Fant could have been better in the past game. You know, he had the drop, and he had that one that he probably could have run under, although I think Locke could do some work, put a little air under the ball. Right. But overall, I mean, I I was excited about that. And, it, you know, there were some people talking about Fort versus Fant. Watching those two, and I didn't have the all-22s, so I can't make wide-sweeping uh, conclusions, but Fant just looks like a different athlete than anybody they've had at tight end. I mean, just so that one play where he had where the drop even, where he beat that linebacker, the linebacker trying to get on him, and something Fant had trouble with at, at Iowa was kind of getting across the, the garbage that is in the middle of the field, you know, getting blocked up by linebackers and whatnot. And he smoothly got through that, and then the catch that he had on the left hash mark where the safety couldn't close down on him. And Collinsworth made a good point about a guy with Fant having that much speed, the safety has to play a little further back, giving him a better chance for a short pass. He just looks so smooth. So obviously some things to clean up, but the fact that, like I I wrote when the Broncos first drafted him, even if he's not catching, you know, five balls a game, having an athlete at that position can open up so much for everybody else, and they they look like they're going to take advantage of it. So I, I I was excited about that. For sure, for sure. I, yeah. Like you said, other than the drop, there's a little bit of concern with some of that. And that, that's just the entire team all around. Yeah. And I'll, I'll talk about that here in a little bit more. But my, my big thing that I loved, I'm going to go to the opposite side of the ball here. 
uh, is still in the trenches, that the defensive pressure. Yeah. Like, th- there was a point there in, a, in the third quarter where they kind of stopped getting the pressure. But for the most part, both interior and exterior, they were getting after it. I mean, I, I love they held the run game to under 100 yards, uh, 3.6 yards per on, on average from their, their running backs there for Atlanta. And quarterback-wise, I mean, they were getting in their face left and right. I mean, it, what was it? Draymond Jones, I guess, led to the interception. And and then, of course, he is getting tons of pressure. I love that, I mean, Demarcus Walker, I got to give the guy props. We, we've been talking about we didn't think he was going to be making this roster, but he's been making plays. I know the coach said he maybe exaggerated a little bit of how good of a game he had, but I, I thought he still went out there and made lots and lots of plays. I mean, then, of course, you got the, the guys on the edge who were making plays. Uh, I'm trying to think of, of all the guys that were, I mean, Jeff Holland was, was there. He didn't do as much as I was hoping to see from him. But uh, Adam Gottes, when he was in, got that one nice knockdown. I mean, I, I kind of I, I liked what they said on the, the thing of, well, t- Coach, is that enough to see from me? <laughs> because it's true. I mean, he, he did enough to pretty much say, okay, that's all I need to do. Malik Reed definitely was a, a huge playmaker in that game. So just good to see all those guys making lots of plays, really getting after it, getting in the backfield, opening up holes for the linebackers to come in, shut things down. I mean, it just it was very disciplined play, very good tackling all the way around, something that we couldn't have said last year. Just a, a very disciplined group this this game, for especially for a Hall of Fame game. Yeah. I just I was very, very impressed with how disciplined they looked on the field. I'll tell you what did not look disciplined and clean and look like it was a Hall of Fame game was special teams on both sides of the ball. Yes. Okay, Man. yes. That that part was, I mean, that was I don't I don't know what to say to that. Of, of is it just because, like, all these guys, they're just being kind of thrown in, not really working together. They're just all, there's so many guys match. being tested. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be part of it, but still. It was bad. I mean, it both was. Both sides. Both teams. Drops and bad blocks and just, uh, ugh, that was terrible. Right. I might as well just get rid of it, put the ball to 25 or something. Right. Well, no, I was thinking uh, Langley yesterday when I was at training camp dropped a kickoff. Ugh. And I'm going, oh, my gosh. Well, and, and he tweeted out something. Did you see that? Yeah, he's something about one door closes another opens, and I thought he was I thought he was being released <laughs> or something So after, after that fumble. Yeah, ball. right. And so then he does it in practice, and I'm going, wait, no, he tweeted that before practice, but he does this during practice. It's not helping his cause. I, I have, He's got a long ways to go to prove that he belongs on this, this Broncos roster. But I mean, and let's I guess switch over there to the to the other side of of what left you a little bit nervous. I'll start with with mine, and it is drops. Yeah, I mean, you had Fant drop one right off the bat. Juan Winfrey dropped one right off the bat. Other guys just were were having trouble holding on to it. Punts. It just when, when you're hearing that it's happening at training camp, and then you see it happen in a game, you you start sitting there saying, okay, this pattern's not ending. It's it's staying the same. It, this is not something that you're just going to sit there and say, oh, just give us some time, it'll go away. These guys are, are dropping balls left and right. I, I saw a training camp, balls hitting the ground left and right because guys couldn't hold on to the ball. Now, some of that could be a little bit, and, and this is just, I hate to say this because I, when you got two strong-armed quarterbacks and Drew Locke and Joe Flacco, they're zooming it in there. But at the same time, those wide receivers are being paid money to go catch the football, and they're not doing it. I mean, there's been plenty of receivers that have worked with Joe Flacco that have caught the football, no problem. 
So you can't really blame it on the quarterback if they're getting it right where it needs to be and the guys aren't catching it. Yeah. I'm not as worried about drops as I used to be. I think it's something that's easy to pile on, but I think that I can live with drops if guys have skill sets of speed and separation and route running ability, which, I mean, I guess those two play into separation. But, yeah, no, that's, it is a concern when free fans, I mean, uh, one of the running backs dropped one as well, I can't recall off the top of my head. So it is something to note. I will be more concerned about it if it's happening with the guys catching balls from Flacco, right? Like right now you see these guys not have the chemistry and whatnot. They don't really know because each of these quarterbacks have a little bit of different, you know, spin, trajectory of the ball, et cetera. And so once Flacco's in there, you're starting to see like maybe Sutton, Winfrey, Patrick, Fant, all those guys still have drops. You know, preseason, week three, Broncos game four, or uh, and the Broncos third game, which will be week two. Those will be ones that I'll have my eyes on and be somewhat – a little bit easy with, but right now I'm not too worried about it. For me, and we're going to stick on the offense here, and <laughs> you were talking about the drops. Mine was more of the lack of explosive offensive plays. There were a couple chances in this game for the Broncos, and granted, you know, it's, this isn't real football. You're not seeing the best of the best out there. Guys trying to make the roster not the most uh, creative play calling going on, although there was more blitzing than I thought there would be. But just the lack of explosive playmakers on offense. I did like what I saw from Kafani Muhammad, but I don't think he's – you know, he's a guy who might make the team. But even if he does, you're hoping you don't see him. Because if you see him, that means <laughs> Freeman, Lindsey, all those guys got hurt. So he, he looks okay, but not great. And then, I mean, Winfrey, I really like how he's separated. He looks strong, but, you know, not dynamic down the field. I didn't see him busting open deep very often. And then even fans, you know, missing that deep one. So for me, it's something that I've had, I'm going to have an issue with probably all season. Until uh, Sanders get back, Sanders gets back. I'm worried about the lack of explosive playmakers on offense because you need those chunk plays. You know, this isn't the 80s anymore where you're going to have 15-yard play or 15-yard drives, nickel and diamond it down the field and whatnot. You need to have some big explosive plays where you can get chunk yards quickly. And it just that did not look like it was going to be possible with the Broncos at this point. And, you know, that was a big, ner- a big worry for me coming in. Nothing that I saw in the game made me feel better about that. So... Hopefully they'll be with the first-team offense out there next week for a series or two. Hopefully we'll get to see a little more of that. But I'm definitely I'm definitely worried there. I'm less worried about the offensive line and more worried about the weapons. Yeah, that's, that's the kind of the crazy thing, I think, was I, I was very impressed with the offensive line all around. I mean, the, the third unit struggled, obviously, once some things started making some changes like that. But, I mean, the first and second unit that were in that game, I thought really held their own. I thought they kept things very, very clean. But you're right. The, the weapons, very lacking in, in what they can do around the field. And it, it definitely showed, I mean, how many yards did the Broncos have total? Around 200? Yeah, not great. So, uh, yeah. And, and like I said, there were a few big plays that were left out there. I mean, Drew Locke, if he hits on those two big passes, it's a whole different story when you're looking at his game. All of a sudden, you're looking at a guy that's, what, 9 of 11, probably has about 150 passing yards and possibly two touchdowns. <laughs> and that's with one drop by the, the running back, David Williams. So, I mean, again, if you hit on a couple of those plays, but it, they didn't happen, and, and so we can't really count them. Yeah. No, absolutely. You are uh, you are correct. And, you know, if it doesn't happen, doesn't count. 
So that's my biggest concern. And on offense, I mean, they really need Sanders to come back, and they need you're not going to really see the run game in training camp and whatnot. So Phil Lindsay is going to have to be that other guy. So those are the those are the two explosive playmakers, and they've really got to step up. Fant as well, I guess he's potentially one as well. So you got to get those guys. Uh, player of the game for me, you know, talking talking about how the, they don't the uh, receivers are lacking dynamic playmakers, but I thought Jawan Winfrey looked pretty good outside of that drop early on. You know, it was a difficult catch, and he went up to go get it, and you know, didn't come down with it, but made that catch to win the game. The deflection that he came down with, which was awesome, and I thought he was looking pretty good in his routes. You know, considering this is his first action, I thought he was getting pretty good separation in that intermediate part of the field. You know, ten, fifteen yards down the field and had a strong game. And also his blocking was great as well. So he's a guy I think he, you know, it's kind of hard to pick an MVP for the the small amount of action these guys are getting. You know, you have limited reps. But I thought, I think I'm going to give it to Winfrey in this game. I don't want to put the, the cart before the horse. We need to see more. You know, he's not going to be jumping over Hamilton and Sutton just yet. But uh, I think he, in my mind, he has supplanted Patrick. And I think he had a good game, and I'm excited to see even more from him going throughout the preseason. Very good choice. I'm going to go the the most obvious choice, Draymond Jones. Yeah. I mean, he's the most talked about guy after the game with what he was doing out there, just destroying people to the point where the, the offense finally made some adjustments and said, okay, we got to start double teaming this guy. Anybody else beats us but this guy. And, and even then, he was still making some plays. And so I, I just – this is one guy that I was very, very excited about when we got him in the third round just because he does have a skill set that fits what the Broncos have been lacking. They have yeah. some great run stuffers and, and Wolf and, and Gotsis, but neither of those guys are known for consistently getting after the quarterback, of getting that early pressure in, on the interior. And so having a guy like Draymond Jones where he's going to get a lot of one-on-one opportunities. When you got Von Miller and, and Bradley Chubb on the outside – Draymond Jones is not going to be their worry. Yeah. And so a guy that you know can actually go win those one-on-one battles, I, I'm excited to see him move up the, the depth chart and get some more opportunities when he's playing against better players. Because, I mean, it's great that he could do it against third-string guys. Let's see if he can do it against second-string then then against first-string. Because if he can do that, it really changes the whole dynamic of what this defense looks like. When you got three guys that can get after the quarterback and teams have to worry about them, and especially an interior guy, because I look at guys like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, those pocket passers, it's not usually the edge guys that cause them a whole lot of problems. It's the interior pressure. Those are the guys that really disrupt their games because they can't step up into the pocket. It's easier to manipulate the guys coming off the edge, I think. You can give them more help. That's true. Like that's you can chip them much easier. If you have a guy blowing it up the middle, then you're gonna be in a world of hurt. So right. It's, however, it's easier to find dynamic edge rushers. So you know that's why Aaron Donald is such a freaking valuable player. <laughs> that he is. And right, well, I, I want to give an honorable mention actually. Malik Reed as well. He had a couple tackles behind the line of scrimmage and had a great sack. And you know, I've been worried about the edge depth of this team. And, you know, Jeff Holland, he, I would say he's a he's a loser coming out of this one. You know, if we were doing stock down and stock up, which we should probably bring back. But for me, I think uh, Malik Reed really shined and showed well. And I am uh, I'm excited to see him. And, Carl, I don't know if you saw, I actually added in a little bit here just because, you know, it's early in preseason. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk so that way you can give, I can let you think about it for a little bit. But surprise player coming out of this game, for me, I'm going to say Horace Richardson. 
Uh, I think he's wearing number 27, and he was out there with the, the first team, the, the first guys getting rep as the nickel cornerback. He's not, you know, a super big guy. I think he's probably about 5'11", 185. I think he's listed six foot. He does not look six foot. But, man, I was really impressed with him out there. He had a couple plays where his quick and close, you know, transitioning from coverage to playing the ball carrier in the short pass game, he came down and laid some wood. I think he had, like, five tackles in the first half playing purely from that nickel spot. So I was really impressed with Horace Richardson, another SMU guy. The Broncos have three SMU Mustangs on the roster, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, he's uh, he really impressed me. I think he was on the Steelers last year and didn't make the team. But right now I, I got him circled. I'm really excited to see what he can bring again next week. You know, sometimes it could just be a fluke, could be one game thing, but playing from that nickel, I was I was super taken back by how taken aback by how he played. So he's a good guy that really surprised me this week and I'm excited to see more. Well I'm gonna stick with the the cornerback group and I'm gonna go with Devontae Bosby. Okay. I mean it, it wasn't a complete shock I guess, but I mean I'd heard that he's doing really well in camp. But you always want to see it against other teams. Is it because the Broncos receivers are just that bad, or is it because he's actually playing that well? And and there was so much talk of just how great of a fit he was going to be with the system, how he's just a turnover machine, and and I saw it. I mean, this guy was click and close. He was right there ready to make plays whenever his guy stopped. I mean, I, I just think he's such a perfect fit. And, uh, I mean, I, I guess – we were we were a little worried about the the cornerback depth for the Broncos. I mean, when you got Callahan and you got Harris, both guys who ended up on IR last year, you kind of start thinking, okay, what's going to happen with that next tier? Because there's a, there's a good chance that Bosby or or Yadam is going to have to play at some point, and and so to see both those guys go out there and have a, a pretty darn good game. I mean, yes, against backups, but they still played really well. I, I just was very, very impressed, and so I'm, I'm just I'm feeling less worried about the cornerback group than I was before Thursday. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And the I do want to say, Yadam, he had a good game, but I, there was a couple things where it's just like, oh, okay, he had a dropped interception, which again, the ball skills is it was a concern coming out, and he had one where he gave up a play where he looked just a little stiff in the hips. Bowsby, however not as stout coming down against the run. A couple of his tackle attempts, he did not look like he wanted that smoke. At least that much. You know, he's a little more slender guy. So that was my takeaway, but I thought both looked pretty good. And uh, so, yeah, sorry I threw that in there, but I figured this early on we should probably talk about some of those guys that, whoa, was not expecting that. So Horace Richardson for me, I was was taken aback. I was not expecting him. And I thought Trey Johnson looked okay as late at the interception. It was mostly from pressure, but, you know, right place, right time. And he looked okay, but not as good. I think Horace Richardson was the guy that is, you know, if he can put up another one or two games like that, he's, he's on. He's on the roster. I will be flabbergasted if he's not because he, right. really, he had a really good game, and his guy right. was not expecting. But there was a couple times I, I had to look up who it was. Yeah. But you just keep seeing his number flash, and you're going, oh, my gosh, this guy keeps showing up. Yeah. And when you do that in a preseason game, that's, that's pretty big. So can the Broncos play three nickel corners? I guess we'll find out. <laughs> that's that's the concern. But you know, that's that's becoming such an important position in today's game. So I I'll take the the quality there. And then thoughts on Fig Fangio on this last game, man. We kind of touched on it earlier, but you know, I'm not reading too much into it. He probably was in pain, a little bit drugged up, probably as well. It wasn't like Aaron Rodgers a couple years ago, you know, interviewing him, and he's obviously on morphine or something, you know, making no sense. But you know, considering what he did going through kidney stones, I think that's 
I don't want to say that's smart. You know, that might be dumb even, but it probably got the respect of his players, which also might be smart or dumb. You know, who knows? But, the man, I shaking my head. I don't think I could have done that. So that dude is committed. I mean, it's a Hall of Fame game, you know? Right. Crazy. So good for him, and you know, no real worries or challenges coming from his first game on the sideline. So yeah. the, the only decision that I questioned a little bit was there at the end of the first half where there was about a minute 50 left. I know they're pinned back on their own end zone, but they pretty much just played kill the clock. Yeah. And I thought it's preseason. And you got your rookie quarterback who you're, you have this perfect scenario. Go score something for us. Yeah. Let's do something. And and they just pretty much said, nope, we're good. Yeah. I, I just kind of thought. Uh, Fox. Yeah. I <laughs> know. Uh, flashbacks to some very bad times. But that, that was my only question about the game where I was just like, come on, man. Yeah. Not, uh, not great. But other than that, you know, I'm. We like Vic. It's the honeymoon phase right now. We'll see what happens. And I, there was the article, the thread at, over at Maven that uh, we were talking on, and I I had to be, for my brand, you know, everyone's talking how good Vic Fangio is. I'm like, well, it is the honeymoon phase. I remember people thought Josh McDaniels was a genius when he came over. Not that Vic Fangio is Josh McDaniels, but just kind of showing how early it is and how quickly things can change once adversity hits. And also... You know, the, as good as Vic Fangio is, I think the roster's still got to get better. And a quote right. that I've, I've said on here before, I think it was Daniel Jeremiah that said it on the Movie 6 podcast, which one of my favorites, is uh, Hall of Fame players make Hall of Fame coaches. So even if Vic Fangio's great, they got to keep improving that roster to, to help him be great, and he can help them be great then. So, all right, have, we'll, oh, go ahead. Oh, I just have one final question about Vic Fangio. Okay. Uh, what do you think... Do you think it's a positive or negative how often he criticizes players openly? Oh, man, you know what? I uh, Right now I do not mind it, but I think there could be a time where it could be an issue. So we are going to – we will see. Um, but, you know, every player is different, right? Now I'm not there in the locker room, not seeing how these guys responded, but he did straight up clown DeMarcus Walker after yeah. that, which – you know, I'm not the biggest Jamarcus Walker fan, but that's a. Uh, I don't mind it. I don't mind him telling him that to Jamarcus Walker, but doing it through the media can be. Right. So that's I thought that. Concern. I did think that one was a little over the line. Yeah. I thought that was more of an in house conversation than a let's make this as public as possible and really rub it in with jokes. Yeah. Yeah. But. Just me. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I said, everybody responds differently, so we'll see. But, all right, we're going to take our first break here. We'll be right back to move on to the Scottside preview, uh, previewing the upcoming game against the Seattle Seahawks. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. 
Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back to the Building the Broncos podcast. I am Nick along with Carl and... Carl, I switched up the order here just because I thought it made a little bit more sense. Before we look at the Broncos again, after talking about the Broncos, I think we should look a little bit at the Seahawks. You know, like we prefaced last week, the game isn't as, you know, we're not going to be able to really go super hardcore on the Seahawks depth chart breaking down these guys because who knows how much they're going to play. You know, Russell Wilson might take a snap, and that might be (laughs) it. But overall, looking at this roster, I have the link on there for you. Anything that stands out to you, uh, I think the thing for me that I am very eager to see is the, man, it's got to be these weapons that the Seahawks have started to assemble. The offensive line, you know, they don't have cable there anymore, so they have improved a bit. And Dwayne Brown, they traded for last year. Mikey Apati, he might not play. He's been injured. DJ Fluker at right guard, which was a guy that I really wanted the Broncos to bring at right guard instead of Menelik Watson at that time, which looked to be the smart thing, but, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. But really, it's these weapons. You know, Tyler Lockett, probably one of the more underrated wide receivers in football. He would be, I mean, carbon copy perfect for what the Broncos could use as a Emmanuel Sanders replacement. Dynamic with the ball in his hands, dynamic down the field, quick, better and better route runner. Really like him. And then DK Metcalf, uh, if he does end up playing, he's, he's listed as questionable, but, man, he has been killing it in their camp apparently. And a guy with his size and speed, people really wanted to pigeonhole him. And, you know, he, oh, he can't. Cut great. Well, you know what? You're not going to play him in slot. He's more of a clear-out kind of guy, and he's so big and strong and fast that if he gets up over the top deep, he's going to score. You know, it's that kind of guy. I don't want to say it's the Calvin Johnson playbook because Calvin was a different level freak, but if you have that dominated of a trait, I don't have an issue with it. You know, go up and use him and get it. And I'm really curious to see how the cornerbacks match up against him. And then also the, the tight ends and the... The running backs, you know, Rashad Penny, they used a first-round pick on him last year. He's a really good receiving back, and they're going to isolate guys, I'm sure, with Penny, linebackers specifically, and with the Broncos one-by-one dropping off that linebacker position, that's a concern. And then, you know, last year, people probably remember Will Disley going off for like 120 yards or something in week one against the Broncos. And he had a really good game. They have Nick Vanette, who's solid as well, and uh, Ed Dickinson. So I, I like these weapons on this offense, actually. it's It's an area that has been a weakness on the Seattle roster for a bit. And, you know, when you have a great 
they had a solid offensive line when they were pounding the rock with Marshall and Lynch, and then obviously paying a bunch on the defensive side. But these weapons, you know, especially Tyler Lockett, I really like Tyler Lockett's game. I think he's a Kansas State guy, isn't he? Do you remember yes, him? Yes, he is. Yep. Yeah, man. Man. I should have let you talk about him. I'm sure you have a little bit more to say about him. But, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a good set of weapons here. And, obviously, Russell Wilson is one of the best five quarterbacks in football, five or six. And he's really great. However, <laughs> it does sound like uh, Paxton Lynch is going to be playing a majority of the game <laughs> because Geno Smith might be uh, might be in, might be out. We need to do an over-under of how many sacks he's going to take here in just a bit. God, I hope – I would probably just, like, die if they uh, – if he looks great, I am going to be very upset. <laughs> it's not going to happen, but, like, oh, my God. I'm going to be texting, you owe me a beer. Just kidding. <laughs> I said he had to be great for the Broncos, though. So. Now, the, the group that intrigues me, I guess, a little bit, just because, like, all, all of camp, we've been hearing about how great the tight end position is for the Broncos, of how it's very much upgraded, looking dynamic, all those kind of things. And I'd say that the strength of that of the Seattle defense right now really is the, the, the linebacker group. I mean, Bobby Wagner, Mr. 99 on, on Madden, very, very good player. Uh, they got, of course, K.J. Wright, a little bit older, but still a very good player. Shaquem Griffin uh, showed some, some decent play last year. I mean, they, they just have some guys, even some depth guys, that I think can at least test our guys more than maybe what the Broncos have. And so we, we can maybe see a little bit more of, is it that our tight ends are that good, or is it because our linebacker depth has just been destroyed and, and even the starters weren't uh, weren't as dynamic as the Broncos need. And, and then the other group, I mean, I, I will say, I think Seattle's done a pretty good job of improving their offensive line. I mean, three, four years ago, they easily had one of the bottom three offensive lines in football. They pretty much said, Russell Wilson, go run around, make plays for us. Please don't get hurt because we can't make it without you. But now they actually have a decent offensive line in front of them. Dwayne Brown's a little bit older, but still pretty good left tackle. Uh, I mean, Mike Iupati, I mean, like I said, he might not play, but still a, a decent player, especially a good run blocker. Justin Britt's been an okay center for him. DJ Fluker's okay. I mean, it, it's it's not an elite group. Yeah, it, It's a group that'll at least give Russell Wilson a little bit more time to make some plays. And then just their their running back group as well. I I have to give it to them. They have a pretty darn good running back, back group. Chris Carson, when he's healthy, he looks pretty good. Rashad Penny, first-round pick, probably shouldn't have been, but still a guy that can go out there and make a lot of different plays. C.J. Precise, he was a guy that I was really liking for the Broncos just as that receiving option. And, I mean, so it'll just be interesting to see how the Broncos take on those running backs as well. Yeah. No, I I agree with you, and I'm excited about that. And a little nervous, but, you know, they have packs of lunch, so. <laughs> Again, like, I don't want to put too much weight into what we see because, as we well know, having a confident quarterback can make or break everybody else around you. It doesn't matter. You know, you could be surrounded by Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens and Calvin Johnson and Tony Gonzalez and have a great offensive line. If your quarterback is trash, those guys are not going to live up to their live up to their talent. So that's a big thing for me. So I, I gotta ask, how do you think Paxton's gonna do this week? You know, I know that listeners, if you're new or you're you know coming back or you're not aware, 
Carl and I had a bet, I think it was almost immediately after the Broncos drafted Paxton Lynch, that I said, Paxton Lynch is going to not work out, and the Broncos are going to regret having him, and he will not be a starting quarterback for the Broncos within three years. And we bet a beer on it. Turns out I was right. Uh, theme of the podcast, no, I'm just giving you shit, Carl. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, and, and my, my problem was I got so stubborn, I doubled down, so now I owe you and your fiancé a beer. That's right, yeah, she was not a... Uh, she watched that Atlanta game, and she's like, wow, this guy is just uh, doesn't have it. She's not a crazy fan, but she's, yeah, she was a, she was happy to get the beer. But I'm just, in worst case, I would have had to buy you two, right? Yeah. Like, it was going to be on me. Right, so, right. Like yeah, that, thankfully, I didn't go buy his jersey. Oh, my God. That's why I wait. <laughs> it's true, it's true. I, uh, I commented somebody on Twitter that's a big Drew Locke fan. That I looked for his jersey in the in the storeroom at the at training camp, and they didn't have it there. So I, I guess I didn't have to be tempted to to get his jersey that he's going to be that next great thing. It's just you know I mean we're, we're both this way. You, you know with your team, if you get that good young quarterback, it just really sets up everything for your organization. And so you just when you don't have it, you want it, and especially when I'm in Chiefs. Area, nation, or whatever, kingdom, Chiefs Kingdom. We had this conversation last week. And they have, of course, Mahomes. It just makes it all the more that uh, the Broncos have to get this quarterback situation figured out. And and so then at least I can have something to fight back with instead of them saying, we got Mahomes. Well, we got Joe Flacco. <laughs> Don't know what to tell you with that. But uh, So, no, I mean, I think he'll do okay. Okay. I mean, it's it's preseason. Simple. It, it's not going to happen to a lot of reads. Although right. the Broncos brought pressure, and they looked like they were doing that matchup zone. So I don't know if – I mean, it's not like the Broncos are hiding anything. They're trying to get the concepts out there and the chemistry going. So Right. I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm hoping it is uh, really ugly for him. I would love to see, you know, 14 points off of turnovers for the Broncos' defense. Yeah. I, I, I guess it depends how quickly they get out that first-string offensive line because – as much as I, I want to say that they've improved that first string, they're kind of like the Broncos. That second string, you're going, oh, my gosh, who is this? I mean, I, I liked Jamarco Jones when he was coming out a couple years ago. But beyond him, there, there's not much there to brag about for them. So he could be running for his life with how much pressure the Broncos can bring with their – I mean, that's the strength of their team is their pass rush. Do you remember Luke Polglaze? Luke Polglaze used to do the Lockdown Broncos with Chad and wrote on Mile High Huddle. I think, like, right when oh, he yeah. yeah. He loved Michael Roos, who is uh, the fourth string left guard. Or Jordan Roos, excuse me, from Purdue. Fourth string right guard. I remember him being drafted, and the uh, Luke was all about that guy. So just a little diamond in the breath I remember that. I also did like <laughs> Ethan uh, Pokasik from LSU, kind of a guard-center combo, although he's right. pretty tall for the position. Right. So, uh, yep. That sounds good, um, and uh, yeah, no, I that's I I agree with that. We should probably talk about the defense here since we're already getting long, of course. And uh, I'm not sure how much of the defensive line we'll see here, but L.J. Collier got hurt, and Jerron Reed is suspended. So this uh, defensive line is pretty zapped. You know, they do have Ezekiel Anza. How much we'll see him? He hasn't been the same since he's out. Uh, his really good season. Other than that, though, not great. Earl Mitchell, Puna Ford, Chris Quentin Jefferson, Rasheed Green, who I did like a fair amount coming out, Cassius Marsh. You know, this is a uh, 
not the best defensive line depth that we've seen, and that's something, you know, as much as the people loved the Legion of Boom, that defensive line depth and rotation they had was phenomenal as well, and that does not look like to be the case, especially with Collier and uh, Reed looking like they're going to be out. Right. I've had some Seahawks fans tell me that they think this defense is going to be even better than last year. And I'm kind of going, I, I don't see it. You, you've lost quite a few players. <laughs> I mean, Frank Clark was probably their best player last year. And, I mean, defensive line-wise, yeah, you added some depth of Ezekiel Anza, but like you said, he hasn't been the same. Yeah. He, he just He's more of an average pass rusher, if that. Yeah. And then you're depending on your, your first-round rookie, who most people believe was overdrafted, who has a what, – what kind of weird injury was it? It was like a, a sprained ankle, but it's on the top of the foot or something like that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not great. <laughs> and so you don't even know when he's going to be back, how good he's going to be when he gets back. Then you said it, Ron Reed is, is suspended. So after all, Puna Ford. Right. Great right. So, it, It's just right now that, that defense, I'm, I'm just not really scared of anybody other than Bobby Wagner. And, yeah. and KJ Wright. I mean, the the middle of that defense right there looks pretty good. I do got to say, I'm excited to see Cody Barton, from the linebacker from Utah, who is one of my favorites guys. They took him in the third round. I was hoping to get him, you know, fifth round or something. And reports were that Vic Fangio really liked him, but the Seahawks took him in the third round, which was pretty shocking considering what the media had a grade on for Cody Barton. So I'm excited to see what he looks like because I was very big on him, as well as Marquise Blair who was a, another guy that went earlier than I thought, but I was a big fan of his game as well. I think I was pounding the table for him in the one of the draft simulators that we did, where he was like there in the fifth round. He ended up going in the second round. So they have some talent there. They took a lot of defensive rookies this past season. But, uh, yeah, we'll see. You know, obviously the starters aren't going to play. You know, Trey Flowers, guy they, they converted from safety to cornerback, really fits their cover three schemes pretty good there. Tedrick Johnson from Colorado, people know him. Bradley McDougald was really good a few years ago. And uh, they have Shaquille Griffin as well. So, and Sequim Griffin is a starter. You know, the the one hand one handed player that killed at the combine ran really well, at least. So uh, we'll see. I but I don't think this defense, especially up front on the defensive line, has the the depth that we saw of years past. They do have a, another guy I didn't highlight there, Nazir Jones from North Carolina, who I liked a lot coming out. They really like those giant body types. You know, the mm-hmm. kind of those tweener types that can play that play that force edge position, and then they can use one of those linebackers. It's, a, it's almost a, kind of a hybrid where that strong side linebacker is more of a, a Von Miller type. You know, they use Bruce Irvin in that kind of role as well. So it's a kind of a fun, interesting scheme, that cover three. Right. So, uh, yeah, you have any other takeaways from this, looking over their depth chart here? Well, I mean, the interesting thing, I, I think just these past two games, or well, with Atlanta last week and then this one, I'm actually more impressed with the Broncos' depth than I thought that would be. Yeah. I mean, the, the more I've learned of our team, the the more I'm just sitting there saying, I, I just think that there's there's more depth than I than I originally was expecting. Yeah. And I mean, I was listening to Benjamin Albright talk about that. Somebody asked him what he thought about the the Falcons Broncos game, and he said, I, I think the Broncos win because they have better depth. And lo and behold, they win. Now, yes, you look at Atlanta with their starters. Atlanta with their starters is better than the Broncos. I mean, you, just quarterback alone. There's a pretty big difference there. 
and and some of their weapons on offense. I mean, it just and then defensively they they're getting a lot of good starters back this year from injury, all that kind of stuff. But depth wise, the Broncos showed they can they can hang with them. Here with Seattle again, I, I just see a team that I, I think we can we can compare first, second, third, fourth string and say, okay, maybe first string they might because of Russell Wilson alone be the better team. But you start getting to that second, third, fourth string, I think there's a lot of areas that you'd sit there and say, okay, Broncos are better in this area. Yeah. No, I, I agree. We will see how it works out in that regard. But, uh, you know, it's it's still early. I hate to be – God, I'm, I'm such a stick in the mud sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with you, but I do want to see it over more games. And I'll also, injuries, you know, that can really ravage you quickly. I mean, I already – Joseph Jones, once he went down, I felt really bad for you, Carl. I know you've been hyping him. And as much as I felt bad for you, I felt really bad for Billy Wynn. You know, he was also a guy who was injured first week of preseason two years ago and was out of the league last year, you know, trying to come back. And what do you know, first preseason game, torn triceps done for the year. So, you know. Right. Thoughts with Billy Wynn, you know, that's, that's really tough. I remember reading an article about him, you know, it was his fiance or maybe now wife that really helped him. Uh, get back to shape and give him this chance to make football a thing again. He he really might be done now, so you hate to see that, but that's uh, that's life sometimes. But anyway, ending on that depressing note, we had to take a break. <laughs> we will be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All righty, and we are back on the Building the Broncos podcast. we got about 10, 15 minutes left, Carl, before we reach that hour mark that we like to get to so much. So I guess we'll just run through these and we can kind of get to it. But uh, what starter intrigues you the most this Thursday and why for the Broncos game against the Seahawks? I'm going to go with Kareem Jackson. We've been hearing a lot from camp of, of, of Simmons and – of course, Harris and, and Callahan, all those kind of guys. Kareem Jackson's kind of been a forgotten man. I, I just haven't heard his name a whole lot. And then this week in camp, when I was there, of course, he has two pick sixes. And I, I just think he's going to be one of those guys that just really fits so well in this system. I'm excited to see him on the field, just see what he looks like, and, and especially at that safety position, because they seem to have really made that commitment of he is our safety. I mean, I know that they'll move him around some, but I think for the most part, he really is going to be a safety this year. Well, and how much Fangio moves the safeties around at the last minute, dropping them or pulling them forward, you could argue that there's going to be plenty of incidences where it's going to look more like a single high look with Simmons dropping back and then Kareem Jackson kind of coming down and playing that slot, that overhang slot. Right. Right? And, that's, yeah, that's I, I agree. That is huge. I agree. And, that, and he is. He's one of those versatile guys. Uh, today in practice, I don't know how much I'm supposed to give away. Did you <laughs> sign really, a waiver or something? I, I did not. Okay. So I think I'm, I'm okay here. But there was a lot of times where it was actually Simmons going up and Kareem Jackson staying back as a single high safety. And so I just thought that was kind of an interesting dynamic when, 
usually you would expect Simmons to be the one that stays back. But but no, I mean, again, just that versatility that they both have to be able to be able to play strong safety, free safety, slot corner, whatever you need them to be, all both of them can do that. Now, to varying degrees of success, obviously. But no, I, I'm just excited to see him because I think he is such an X factor on that defense when they can just really play a lot of matchup football and just have him in some great positions to go make some plays. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. For me, even if it might be just one series, it's got to be Joe Flacco, right? Like the quarterback, it, the season's probably going to come down to him. So, yeah, no, it's, it's Joe Flacco. Hopefully he'll be out there, but really just stay healthy out there. Go through your reads. If you don't have any big plays, that's fine. Just no negative plays, and go out there and look competent and comfortable. That's the biggest yeah. thing for me. I was, was going to ask you, what would you consider a success for Joe Flacco on Thursday? Goes out there, doesn't do a three and out, you know, makes the right reads, doesn't look way uncomfortable or out of base, and uh, just runs the offense and looks calm, cool, and collected. I'm not expecting anything great, just in this game, all season, from Joe Flacco. Excuse me. But that is, uh, that's the big thing for me. I just want him to go out there and look like he belongs. He's been here before. New team, whatever. You know, he's still going to go out there and play football. So that's the big thing. But I'm, I'm intrigued to watch him and see what he can do because Broncos need some stability at quarterback more than anything. So, right. yeah, definitely. He's. <laughs> I'm not rushing out to get a Joe Flacco jersey anytime soon. <laughs> but this might be hey, his only year. I, but it was know. there. You saw and, it? Well, they, yeah, they had lots of jerseys of Joe Flacco. They had Trevor Simeon for five bucks. Oh. Five hmm. bucks, everyone, at, at training camp. So if you really want to get nostalgic for the past couple years. <laughs> Yeah, get a get no, a nice feel there for you. I, I'm good too. I started but, drinking uh, heavily, <laughs> <laughs> but now let, let's switch off from just a single player to unit. Which which unit really intrigues you the most to keep an eye on in this one? I kind of touched on it a little bit, but for the Broncos, it's got to be linebackers, right? Seattle loves to run the ball. They have mobile quarterbacks. He passes lunches and mobile. He's going to run. And last year, the linebackers and safeties were killed by. Seattle. You know, they have good receiving running backs from Rashad Penny all the way down to, oh, man, who's who's the other one? They have another one, too, that's – his name's escaping right now. I don't have the depth chart up anymore. Are you talking about C.J. Precise? Yes, exactly. He's pretty much a – he pretty much is a wide receiver. So he's one that is pretty good in that regard. And then the tight ends as well. So really the linebackers, considering how thin they are and the demands that Seattle is going to place on them. I mean, Tyler Lockett can play slot, too, and if the Broncos play in zone, Tyler Lockett's probably going to have a chance, or a couple chances where he's over the middle. So, really, linebackers for me. I had a weird <laughs> – I was sitting next to some people that I didn't know, and one of them noticed with the outside linebackers that one of them disappeared. I said, hey, they went from seven down to six. I wonder what happened to that other guy. And and I made the comment, I said, oh, some of them are hybrid players, so sometimes they switch between being off-ball or a pass rusher. And the guy just started laughing. And I'm like, I wasn't telling a joke, I don't know. <laughs> but I'm just thinking right now, especially they're, they're down to four true off-ball linebackers. Not great. Of course, of course, then they have Justin Hollins and Dakota Watson as well that kind of move back and forth between the two. So you could say four, or you could say six. Either way, it's definitely not good right now for the Broncos. And I'll tell you, Joe Deneen did not impress. It's true. Watson had, may be a practice squad guy, but Joe Deneen did not look like he belonged. He had one good run stop. That's all I saw of good of him in that game. But it looks slow and small. 
Yeah, and and the other problem is it sounds like our our linebackers that are injured, it's not just a short-term injury. It's not like they're going to be out for two, three days. I mean, it's it's not good. So they're going to body. Right, they they do, they really do. But no, the the unit that intrigues me most, offensive line. I just want to see can they put two weeks together, especially this time where the starters are actually going to be going against starters. So can they have another good week in both the run pass game, keeping Joe Flacco clean? Like you said, you don't want him to take any big hits. You don't want him to get injured, obviously, and and just keep things moving. I, I thought they did a very good job this last week of opening up holes in the run game. I was actually a little more disappointed in some of the running backs yeah. because there's so many times they just bounce it outside right off the bat. And I'm like, in the zone scheme, you got to have a little patience, wait for that backside to open up, and it's right there. The, the very first run play of the game, I think it was Muhammad, actually. I mean, yes, he had a great game, but he bounced it outside that very first play. And if you look, right as he's bouncing it outside, there's a hole that opens up in the middle. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that play. So, so not great. Yeah. Not patient. Right, right. And so, for me, I'm going, the offensive line did their job. <laughs> it's just a matter of, do the running backs do their job? Now, yes, you get the starters in there. I'm sure that will help out quite a bit. But, uh, no, I'm just intrigued to see them continue from what they did last week. Agreed. The unit that, or not, unit that has me the most concerned, I would probably, it's still linebackers, right? We just talked about it. The depth there, not great. I think they're going to get picked on. So, guys I'm most concerned with and the most intrigued with, linebackers. I'm going to go with wide receiver. Just yeah. Drops obviously have been a problem. Drops have continued. I, I Texted you guys or messaged you guys about seeing it at training camp. And it's just very frustrating to watch how many times the ball hits the ground. And and so I just want to see it's kinda of like last week I was I was very excited when I saw McGovern have a, a clean game snap in the ball. So now can you do it two weeks in a row? Now with the wide receivers I'm going, can you have one week where you guys don't have but maybe I mean to have a perfect game is is actually kinda of rare. But if you can limit it to one or two drops for the game, can you do that? I, I just don't really think that this wide receiver core can right now. Yep. No, I'm I'm 100% with you there. Matchups for me, the Broncos wide receivers versus the quote-unquote Legion of Boom. Solid depth for the Seattle secondary, playing against his zone defense, but I'm really looking for these guys so they can make some plays down the field, yards after the catch, hold on to the ball, and separate from a, what is historically a very physical defense. And for me, it's going to be the the Broncos' defensive line versus the run game. Seattle, I think, actually led the league in rush yards per game last year. So this is a great test for them because, again, they have running back depth. They're going to want to run the ball throughout this game and and really control things and especially help Paxton Lynch. He's going to want to take off running as well. So can this defensive line really contain that run game? Yep. No, that's a that's a big one because especially with you got the athletic guys at quarterback, you got to be more disciplined with your your lanes. And I'm guessing Paxton Lynch is going to run more than once, so we'll see. And then for me, my MVP for the game, I shot in the dark here. I took Devonte Booker just because I really think they're going to try to showcase him. I think that they would love to trade him, probably not right away, but if he puts together a strong preseason, maybe they could even get a six-round pick for him. So I'm going to go with Devontae Booker. I think that he'll have a solid game. I think it is going to be a running back, given the the strength, or the lack of strength, of the Seattle defensive line. 
And I'm going to go the very obvious choice and, and Drew Locke. Okay. Big fan, Joe. When he was talking about how much the, the quarterback's going to play, he said Flacco a little, Hogan a little, Drew Locke a lot. Yep. So Locke's going to have a lot of opportunity here to really kind of put last week behind him. Last week it wasn't was not horrible. A, it, it wasn't. It wasn't terrible. Honestly, the, the thing that had me the most excited was he made a lot of good decisions. He didn't make a lot of great throws, but the decisions were right. Yeah. And so I think the throws will come with just more timing, more work. He's a little amped up, and, and you can tell it, off with his base. Right, he was, right. he was. So I, I just think a week under him, I I expect that that he's going to have a decent game in this one. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up today's episode of Building the Broncos, powered by Overtime Media. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl MHH and myself at McKendallMHH. Also, make sure you head on over to, to milehighhuddle.com, which is now a part of Maven Sports Network and sportsillustrated.com to find more content covering the Denver Broncos. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and a comment as your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle podcast wherever you listen to your shows. You can follow us on Twitter, at milehighhuddle and at btbfootballpod. For Carl, I'm Nick wrapping up another episode of the Building the Broncos podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it, and we will see you soon. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. 